Hello and welcome to the Say That Again Slowly podcast where students at Cambridge University chat with experts who have contributed to the festival. We try to pair up students with researchers and authors from very different disciplines to bring things back to basics. There are no stupid questions here. My name is Jessica McKinchy. I'm a first year natural science student at Hamilton College. Today I'll be interviewing Charlotte Markey, who is a professor and the author of the Body Image Book for Girls and the upcoming Being You, the Body Image Book for Boys. We are going to be taking a deep dive into body image, social media, scientific communication and so much more. So my name is uh, Charlotte Markey. I'm a professor of psychology and the director of the Health Sciences Center at Rutgers University um, in the States. And I am the author of the Body Image Book for Girls, Love Yourself and Grow Up Fearless, which came out in late 2020. And I'm also the author of Being You, the Body Image Book for Boys, which is coming out on April 7th. Oh, it's so exciting. I've actually got a copy of both of the books now, so I've had a flip through. They are really, really amazing, well presented, and they have such fantastic information. But we're going to delve in deeper into the parts of why you've written what you've written. So I guess the best place to start is, what does body image even mean? Like, how do you define it? I feel like the word is thrown around a lot nowadays, but what does body image actually mean? Yeah, it's definitely a term we use a lot and maybe don't stop and think about what we mean. And, you know, the the sort of research definition that often gets used is just how you think and feel about your body. I personally think that's sort of incomplete. And it also suggests that body image is this really superficial thing. Like, are you worried about your appearance? And there's really just so much more to it than that because our body image really kind of is, how do we think and feel about ourselves? How comfortable are we in our own skin? And that really impacts all sorts of behaviors. Most obviously our eating and activity behaviors. Um, it, it really affects our relationships with other people who we engage with, who we don't, who we want to be around situations we want to avoid even, Um, And it's really highly correlated with mental health. So everything from depression to anxiety to eating disorders. So um, I think it's a really complex uh, issue, body image. And it's certainly not just a superficial, like I'm worried about my hair or anything that simple. So where does your body image come from? So how do we even develop a body image in the first place? Well, we definitely develop it in context. We develop it from the sources around us because we don't come into the world concerned about our appearance or feeling like disconnected from our bodies from the most part. Um, And we don't come into the world feeling badly about ourselves for the most part. These are things that emerge across time. And we all get a lot of messaging about not just how we should look, but who we should be and what is ideal, even what's acceptable. And that messaging kind of comes on stronger um, as we approach adolescence, which is why um, my recent focus has been to try to get to kids in their tween years before some of that messaging comes online and all of a sudden, um, you know, our, our concerns just get really exacerbated. 
Yeah. Also, in both of the books, you mentioned body functionality, which I thought was so interesting because I've never heard of it before. So what is body functionality to the people that have never heard it before? And do you think that this is the solution to solving, like, you know, the body image crisis, helping people with their body image journeys? Body functionality is focusing on our bodies in terms of how they function, how they work. And that can be everything from the fact that, you know, we blink automatically um, to uh, we're able to smell something that smells lovely um, or we're able to, you know, go on a run because we're in, in shape to do that. So just really all the things our bodies do and our bodies are really amazing. We don't think about these sort of involuntary functions very much. Um, And we really don't have to do a lot to get our bodies to function, right? We have to nourish them and we have to sleep. That's kind of like it, right? I mean, everything else is pretty involuntary. And there are things we can do to function more optimally, like sleep more, um, maybe eat particularly nutritious food or, you know, be physically active. But yeah, our body functionality is just, I think, really amazing and cool to think about. And I don't know that it'll completely solve body image concerns, but I do think that focusing more on functionality is, is part of the process for many of us when we think about how to feel more positive about our bodies. I think the research is pretty clear. Think about what they do, you know, and obviously I'm older than you. So I think of like, I grew two babies in this body. I know, you know, it kind of happened on its own to a certain extent. It's not like I had to do a lot each day, but, um, you know, when you start thinking about that, it just, kind of blows my mind still when I see these teenagers walking around my house to think that <laughs> they were inside me at some time. And they, they do love it when I point this out to them too. They, okay. they, think, it's, they think it's great for me to reflect <laughs> on these things. <laughs> <laughs> Mom, you're so weird. <laughs> I mean, it's true. I think sometimes in like the world of social media and just being so wrapped up in just seeing yourself and seeing what other people look like, you forget that bodies are actually to help us to live and to yeah. breathe and to survive. Yeah. I mean, they allow us to experience the world, right? So it's there in this way, there are homes that we you know, you only get one of them across your whole life. And so we should take good care of it because it carries sort of our spirit, our soul, our mind. Yeah. So on the vein of social media, how much does social media affect (laughs) our body image? Well, I think the research is accumulating, right? So there's pretty good suggestion from the scientific literature that, Social media is an influence and it's not usually a positive influence. I think we have to be careful and how we think and talk about social media because it's not all bad. There's a lot to be learned from social media. Um, I'm sure you probably don't even realize it because social media has been part of your life for so long. Um, But you know, the amount of news and information that the younger generation can get 
via social media um, compared to, you know, when I was a kid, which was not a million years ago. Um, <laughs> it's, it just blows my mind. It's, it's amazing. So there's some good. Of course, the problem is not all the information is good or accurate or even close to accurate. And then one of the issues when it comes to body image and mental health is that we all have a tendency to, I think, look at social media and make comparisons. And that's just a very natural human process. So if we looked at social media and we thought, oh my gosh, look at how wonderful, you know, my friend looks today. That makes me so happy. Then probably social media wouldn't be a big problem. Yeah. Right. If it just brought us endless joy <laughs> because we reveled in and shared in other people's joyous experiences and beauty, then I, I'm not really sure it'd be such a big issue. But, you know, instead what we do is we think, oh, look at my friend. I wish I looked that good. I wish my life was that exciting. I wish I had such a good boyfriend. I wish I got into that university. Right. And we're not bad people. Everyone does this. It's like, it's just the brain's way of organizing information in the world and kind of trying to understand ourselves and how we fit in. Um, and we can retrain our brain to not do this so much if we become aware of it. Um, but if we just spend a lot of time on social media going like, oh, I wish I looked like that. Oh, you know, feeling bad. It's, it's not going to be good for us. <laughs> yeah. Um, so content creators are a very big thing, like influencers, all of that realm, because social media is now something that's so monetizable. You can make a lot of money from posting pictures. So as a result, do you think content creators have a sense of responsibility in what they post? Should they feel responsible for how other people react to what they post? Yeah, I, I think absolutely. I don't see it happening anytime soon <laughs> um, because, you know, as you said, like the bottom line is kind of money here. Like what? Uh, and the loudest voices get the most attention, sort of the most extreme products often get the most attention. Um, so, yeah, I wish there was more accountability. I think that we have to instead become more media savvy as consumers, both adults and kids. We have to, you know, get better at understanding what we're seeing, understanding what to do with the information. Yeah, 100%. And also in the realm of science as well, I consider myself a scientist, even though I'm first year, I've been doing this for like seven months. But I do consider myself a scientist. And what I've noticed just talking to my friends who don't do science subjects, they will say something about, oh, I don't know, I'm super duper hungry. And they will try and explain it through this very general knowledge way. I'd be like, wait, scientifically, that's not how that process works because there is such a disconnect between scientific knowledge and general knowledge. So how do you think that we as scientists, we scientists in general can address <laughs> this fact? I think we have to just keep talking. You know, I think it's challenging. I think part of the issue, and I will overgeneralize here and stereotype a bit, but I think many of us scientists 
are really happy to do our work kind of quietly on our own. You know, we aren't necessarily natural extroverts. We don't want the limelight. We're not looking to monetize what we're doing. We're just looking to do science, right? But if we don't get that communication out to the public, then it's just those loud voices that everyone hears. And as you say, when it comes to science, a lot of those loud voices are just wrong. In fact, they may be not just wrong, but like the full on opposite of what science suggests. Um, And I'm sure you saw this a lot across the pandemic, as did I. There were so many examples where, you know, I just found myself thinking like, how is it possible that people are believing this or what, you know, and it's not just non-scientists that's the concern. It becomes policymakers. It's, you know, it can be really troubling. I try not to dwell on this too much (laughs) because sometimes I either get really upset or (laughs) really angry. Um, So I think the solution is, is really that, we need to have more voices in the conversation and we need to teach young people to grow up, to be discerning in terms of what voices they're listening to. Yeah, hundred percent. And that again, links back to like social media when young people are able to discern better what's right or what's wrong and to fact check, then it also helps with the social media problem as well. I completely agree. Um, yes, for sure. So my next question is a bit of a controversial one, I think, but you can consider this whole topic to be controversial in its own way. <laughs> So some people, you have fat influencers. I don't like using the word, but that's what they prefer to call themselves. So some people call themselves on social media and they are body positive people who are of larger um, stature, who basically promote that their lifestyle and basically are very happy and they promote this happiness in their body. Some people argue that them promoting this certain figure that would be considered or some people consider themselves to be obese is unhealthy and is painting a very bad example do you think that they're right do you think that they're wrong what is your opinion on this i love this question um and it's really multi-layered because there are a lot of assumptions that we have made culturally about body size and the first one is that it's controllable And I think that the research, including genetic research, suggests that our body size is really not that controllable. Um, There's about a 90% heritability in terms of weight. So, you know, the heritability of height isn't even 100%, right? I mean, there's some variability there too. So, I mean, we're not trying to get people to be shorter or taller. And you know, when I suggest this, people often say, well, but you can lose weight and you can gain weight. And that is true. People can lose weight and they can gain weight, but can they sustain those weight changes? And it's really not clear from decades of research now that that happens all that often because most of us have sort of a body size that our bodies want to be, that we are genetically likely to be. It's not one number. So it's, you know, an approximate size. Um, But my guess is that I don't, you know, have a particular example or or, uh, evidence of this, but my, my guess would be most fat activists and fat influencers 
are of larger body sizes because that is their body size. That is where they're going to be. So why should they not be comfortable in that? Why should we shame them for being different from a beauty ideal that frankly, most of us will never attain? Um, There's also some research that suggests that people who are what's known as sort of quote unquote medically overweight are not at risk in terms of mortality. Um, In contrast, people who are medically underweight are. Um, And there's some great research looking at millions of people. It's not just like this one-off small study. Um, The research, when we look at different forms of morbidity and how weight and different health issues are linked is more complicated. I think that, yes, there are some illnesses like diabetes that are linked maybe even somewhat directly to weight, but there's a lot that goes into our health and our weight is surely not the most important factor usually. And yet culturally, we seem to have decided that it is, that it's controllable. And, you know, we like this idea of personal responsibility often, right? So your weight is controllable. You are personally responsible for it. You should do everything you can and that will help make you healthier. But, you know, that's a house of cards that needs to be knocked down. It's not totally controllable. It's not necessarily really what's predicting health problems, right? Other issues like access to healthcare are probably a lot more important. Uh, In the UK, you guys do access to healthcare a hell of a lot better than we do in the US. (laughs) But still, you know, uh, I think there's a lot of issues, um, a lot of considerations in terms of what's really important when it comes to our health. Yeah, 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 100%. Because obviously, I looked at one YouTube video where you can see the different like preferred body image of girls change over time and like back in the day during the greek times a more fuller more plumper body image was preferred and if you're on the skinny side you were seen to be like whoa what's going on there so it's really funny how we see body image as a reflection of our health as well which i find really interesting and the trends keep changing yeah you know, I mean, it, it, it amazes me that just in the time I've been doing this work, which is about 25 years, the trends have changed. And it's especially notable in recent years that now, you know, it used to be just really slender was the ideal for women. And now it's, you know, you have to be really uh, flat stomached and, and uh, curvaceous and sort of the Kardashian body, which the Kardashians only get using cosmetic surgery, right? So, Um, but it's funny, even just when I talk to teenagers these days, because now everyone wants a big rear end, you know, (laughs) I I grew up my whole life wanting a small rear end. So I'm like, wow, that's like a 180. We've just really switched that whole, that whole (laughs) goal. Yeah. A hundred percent. It's mind boggling sometimes. Another thing that I really loved about your books was the stories from other young people embedded throughout. And it was so, I want to say heartwarming, 
to just hear different people, not only in ways that I can relate, but in ways that I can also learn from. So in exploring all of these people's different stories, what do you think was the most interesting or the most insightful thing that you heard? I loved talking with teenagers and young adults about these issues. And I think I got out of basically every interview feeling just really hopeful. Um, there were a few rough ones with young boys, I guess, but (laughs) they weren't always super communicative, but that might be partly on me. I think I had to learn some new interview techniques uh, (laughs) to talk with some of them, but, you know, really, I felt really hopeful. I felt really just, you know, proud of a lot of these young people. Um, I thought they were really insightful in many cases they said things when they were talking with me about, you know, whether it be denouncing beauty ideals or trying to create balance when it came to how much they were exercising or how their relationships affected how they felt about themselves. You know, I feel like some of these insights I certainly didn't get until I was like 30, you know, so, um, I, it makes me really hopeful. I think that there's a lot more communication about these issues and mental health in general. And that's so important. And that's a big part of why I wanted to include the stories. They not only help to kind of, I think, color between the lines, you know, so the research is like this outline of factual information and then the stories kind of give you the color. Um, But I think also kind of, as you were saying, it's like, you can relate to them. You can learn from them. It normalizes your own experience and other people's also, right? It makes you feel like, Hey, wow. Like everyone kind of feels this, or I didn't even realize someone else felt that way. Um, I think that's just a a really important part of this. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think one of my favorite stories when I was reading the girls one was um, a girl talking about how she learned so much about body image from talking to her boyfriend who is transgender so from female to male and from them like them understanding so much like a different perspective because I feel like a lot of the time we're so narrow-minded in our thinking like oh my god I want a big bump that is such a big problem like that's such a big body image but this person is genuinely struggling with their gender identity that's a whole different foreground yeah I love that story too I thought it was really great and um, and you know, that, that young woman, I guess she was still a teenager when I was talking with her, she had been a, a dancer also, I believe. And just, you know, she had a lot going on and yet it, this sort of perspective that was brought by the conversation with someone who was, um, transitioning was just really interesting. Um, and, and there's another story in the boys book about a, a transition story, that I think is really important. There's, um, you know, I'm doing more interviews right now for the third book in the Body Image Book Ooh, series. Exciting. And I've had some great, great interviews. Um, I had a great conversation with a former model not that long ago. And, you know, her experiences, I just can't even imagine. And yet she really came out of that industry um, empowered overall, you know, really rejecting so much of, of beauty culture that can be, um, 
you know, really toxic, but uh, stay tuned for that. The stories, cause the, the third book is, is meant for, for older people. The stories get a little bit longer, a little bit deeper. Uh, there, there's some good ones coming. <laughs> oh, I'm excited. One of the things I've also kind of learned, like through reading the book and also just talking to people, I feel like parents have a really big responsibility on body image when I was younger. So my parents immigrated from Nigeria and there's a very different culture about body image. I don't know what it is about Africans and Nigerians, but everything is a bit of a joke. So you would kind of get made fun of for eating too much when you're younger or for being a bit chubbier when you're younger or, you know, not being great at sports. And so that just kind of chips away a bit at your self-esteem. So now when you bring it up, they don't really understand what you mean of I have a poor body image. So what would you say to young people who are trying to express maybe their body image journeys, their issues, maybe even boundaries around body image to parents that might not necessarily understand. Yeah, it's complicated because there really has been a generational shift, I think. Um, And how we think about and talk about these things now is improving in part because we have evidence that some of what we've done in the past has not been good, you know? But I think it's important to appreciate that oftentimes parents, our family members are coming from a well-meaning place that they're not trying to do harm, or it usually doesn't hurt to give people the benefit of the doubt and assume they're not trying to do harm. And yet then also, like you said, to try to create some boundaries and to say, I'm trying to work on my body image and I'd rather not talk about that. Or it's, it's hurtful when you talk that way. I think sometimes just being brief, but explicit can be really valuable. And sometimes, you know, I, I don't think we should avoid all of our family or everyone who's ever said anything hurtful, but, you know, we have this concept in the body image literature called protective filtering. And what that means is that we need to sometimes protect ourselves by filtering out negative influences. And sometimes negative influences are people. Sometimes it's you know, someone on social media. And sometimes you just need a break from like that cousin who always makes you feel bad. Um, so I, I never mean to prescribe like rifts in families or anything. <laughs> Family is incredibly important, but, but I do think that sometimes we need to be careful to protect ourselves to sort of just filter out some of those more harmful messages and, and make sure that we're doing what's best for us. You know, for most of us, I think coming to develop a positive body image is a journey. Coming to really develop good mental health is a journey. I don't know that most people start at a place where they're like, I feel great about myself. I feel great about everything, right? Um, This is something that actually requires work for most people, but it's worth it. Yeah, I agree. So on the flip side, what would you say for parents who want to connect more with their children and make sure that their children are okay, like the body image, the mental plane? Because I kind of get it's hard. I mean, I make it difficult sometimes for my dad, unintentionally, of course. But so what would what advice would you give to parents? Yeah, I think for parents, you know, modeling is really important. And so we really want to try to take good care of ourselves, be respectful of our own bodies. 
um, not be disparaging of our own bodies. I think that's a really important part of it. We want to um, have flexible ideas, I think, about health. In other words, we want to create a healthy food environment, but that doesn't mean like we have to have kale smoothies every day. Um, it means that we're kind of flexible and we're still enjoying food. Uh, and same thing with activity, right? That we, we want to encourage some of that, but not pressure or make it this intense obligation. Um, so I think we want to try to create a really healthy kind of moderate environment for our families and also work on communication. And if communication about some of the nitty gritty is awkward or you're not sure what to say, I think you can focus in on popular culture and social media. And there are so many examples everywhere all the time, right? Of, um, you know, someone at a recent awards show who wore something or, you know, there are opportunities where you can say like, wow, she looks, you know, really slender. Like, do you, what do you think about that? Um, so kids tend to like about, like talking about popular culture. So, um, it can be a good way to connect. Um, but also it can be a good way just to raise these issues and to ask kids questions. What do you think about that? Do you think that's realistic? Do you think that's healthy? I really hope that you take good care of yourself and, you know, do whatever. Um, so, so parents sometimes have to tread a little bit carefully in this territory, um, especially as kids become teenagers, because if we push too hard or say things too emphatically, sometimes then we get sort of a retaliatory response. Um, so it's not to say that we shouldn't sometimes just put our foot down as a parent, but, but these are kind of big, long conversations. I think it's a, it's a marathon in terms of working this out, like I said, so. Yeah, so you have kids. <laughs> um, so how has having kids and seeing them grow and kind of face these troubles in their own life, how has that affected how you view body image? Yes, I have a 14-year-old and a 16-year-old. The older is a boy, the younger is a girl. And, you know, I think in some ways it's really shaped sort of the breadth in terms of how big I think all of these issues are. And it's part of why when I sat down to write the girl's book, it just doubled in size because I think of my own kids and everything I want to say to them all the like things I want them to understand from like sort of basic scientific factual things to more complex sort of cultural issues. Um, and I think, um, you know, I, nothing like having kids makes you see sort of the urgency <laughs> more, right? Like you just always worry as a parent, there's so many things that you don't want your kids to have to suffer through. Um, so you know, now I just have to make sure that they actually read the books. Who wants, to, who wants to read a book their mom wrote? I mean, I know my daughter, I know my daughter's read most of it, but, but the boy's book just is coming out. So we'll see. We'll see. Do they give you commentary? So do you show like bits of the book to them and do you ask them their opinions? For the girl's book I did with my daughter, which was great. She was about 11 when I was working on it. And she definitely read some chapters and um, and it was a fun role reversal, you know, it's like, I've helped her with her homework for, 
you know, her whole life. And she was like circling things and saying, writing notes that said like, I don't get this (laughs) or this is too complicated. Or, you know, she read the chapter on puberty and I had some uh, figures in there of anatomy. And I remember one point she circled some of it and just wrote like gross or something. (laughs) And I did talk to her about that. I was like, that's the whole point is like, you're not supposed to think this is gross. You're supposed to be familiar. That's why it's staying. Um, but no, I, I, I cherish those memories of, of her having some, some input, um, at one point, even because she's artistic, when we were talking about the design of the girl's book, she was really, really, um, (laughs) into wanting to do the, the images for the book. Um, I'm glad we got a professional. She's a great (laughs) artist, but, but you know, it would have been, it would have been all, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Yeah. So before we wrap it up, what is one piece of practical advice that you want to give to the listener on how they should, you know, navigate their body image journey? Like some one tip that if you could tell anybody, like everybody in the world was listening and you had to tell them one tip about body image, what would you tell them? I think I would say to really treat yourself with compassion and that a lot will flow from that because we get so many messages that are telling us we need to fix ourselves. We need to change ourselves. We're not good enough the way we are. And the more we can reject those messages and treat ourselves with kindness and compassion, then the easier it is to engage in healthy behaviors, to be psychologically healthy. So I think just a lot comes from sort of taking a step back from all of those messages that are kind of just being yelled at us all the time and saying like, no, I deserve something different than this. hundred percent. I agree. I think we all need compassion. Everybody needs more compassion to other people and we need more compassion for ourselves. So that was a beautiful, beautiful message. So thank you so much for coming. And obviously when the Being You book comes out, the Bonnie Image book for boys. Make sure you go buy it. I have my own coffee. I have both. And I'm going to gift it to my little cousins who are like, they're like 14, 13, 12. Like they follow each other. They are going to enjoy those books so much. So yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. It's been great talking with you. And um, I've been so fortunate to have such a great interviewer. <laughs> thank you. Make sure to follow the Cambridge Festival on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and YouTube for more fascinating events and follow the Say That Again Slowly podcast for more conversations with experts on body image, time travel, aliens and so much more. Thanks so much for listening.